Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast uh, on this 24th of May 2020. As I am, of course, joined by one Robert Sapp. How you doing today, sir? Doing well, doing well. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Yes, yes. Happy Memorial Day weekend to everybody out there. Hope you're enjoying it, being safe. Uh, we are going to, of course, discuss episode nine, season one of The Wire. This was a uh, this was a major episode, big, big episode to say the least. Um, I love this episode. Uh, which uh, you know a lot of things, a lot of moving parts, a lot, a lot of stuff going on. We get introduced to a new major character that we that will become a, a big part of the, the show for the remainder seasons, and we get to know Avon Barksdale that much more. We get inside his psyche, psyche, and why he thinks the way he thinks. Uh, so big time, big episode, a lot to cover. Um, this episode, of course, is titled Game Day. It was it ranks 28th all time in terms of Wired episodes by Vulture. Um, you have uh, the epigraph is by Herc. Maybe we won. Uh, director is Milo Milako Machevich French. It's a tongue twisting uh, tongue twister with his last name, but Machevichki Milako Machevichki directed this episode. Um, and again, this was a big, big time episode. Opening scene, you have Stringer and Avon uh, trying to scout for a up, up and coming game, East Side, West Side basketball game. Um, of course, East Side has won the last two years. So they're scouting this, um, they're scouting this guy, this dude from JUCO, this junior college player. Um, and during that, you know, watching him play, of course, the guy's a good player. The guy's a good player, and uh, Avon's willing to pay top dollar to get him on his team. He doesn't want, does not want to lose the East Side for the third straight year. And during that conversation with Stringer, he brings up Omar, and basically Stringer says, you know, Omar's in the wind. Stringer, uh, Avon says, hey man, the city is not that big, and Stringer proposes the truce ideal to. Uh, to Avon once again, Avon completely shuts it down. Basically says, you know, what is the street gonna think while we're waiting for the, waiting for him to pop up? Um, so that lets you know where Avon stood on that. And you, I mean, you kind of knew that from the previous episode, which which you talked about uh, last week, Rob. Yeah. But Stringer shuts that down. Uh, they pay, you know, they pay the player and they pay the coach. Um, important. And this might have got lost in this scene, but Avon at the end of the scene says, ain't shit for free. So the coach, so just to give you some context, the coach gets more money after the player leaves. So the player, so he Avon, you know, pays the player and the coach, like right, you know, right there. But when the player leaves and goes, he said he tells the tells the dude, hey man, go hit me, go shoot 30 free throws or whatever, and, and run a couple of laps. I think he just said the free throws. The coach gets an extra five thousand or so, and then Avon retorts, "Ain't shit for free." Laughingly, and that that so the reason why I bring that up when he says "ain't shit for free," that could be we could just I mean that could be a complete deep dive in terms of this drug game, this life ain't shit for free. 
And I, I thought I, that stood out to me. That stood out watching it now compared to the year in the years past. That that line he had at the uh, end of that end of that scene. What were your thoughts? Yeah, um, great opening scene. Uh, it, I mean, like it'll it'll tie into what we eventually learn about the Barksdale crew and like how much money that they that they make. Um, I think I count the the total of it uh, in this beginning scene. Uh, Ten for the player, five for the program, five for the founders fee. So twenty thousand yeah. dollars, and and just like you know, Avon's just just nothing's free. Just yep, that's part that's part of that's part of doing doing business. And so, you know, he could he could throw twenty thousand dollars out there just to get somebody to. Uh, play in a basketball game for one game or whatever, however, how whatever the series looks like. Um, so that just speaks to just kind of like the the kind of money that they bring in. And in terms of Avon and uh, Stringer with the uh, Omar conversation. Yeah, that I mean, like that, like you said, you were talking about it last week, and you said it, it would be it kind of be broken down. Um, in the beginning episode of this week and that's you know that's 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 the show doing its thing they they don't leave nothing up for chance but they did it in a way that is like not talking at the audience um there's another scene that's coming up that's kind of similar to that uh, a lot a lot more complicated a lot more moving moving pieces to it but um they're breaking down like the difference between stringer and avon which we talked about last week and so they just they're just being very explicit about it like um uh stringer like you said proposes plan avon kind of gives his retort like we had heard stringer's plan before but we hadn't heard specifically what avon thought about that plan um and so in this scene we kind of get avon's response to that just let's just chill and wait and see Yes, Avon, so Avon desperately cares about his reputation. He, like his brand, we're talking about games and title game day, his brand, he cares about the brand, the, the kind of tied into like sports and athletes with their, with their reputation and brands. Avon, Avon's brand is everything to him. And that means his, in terms of his street credibility and his name and his reputation, it means everything to him. And you can kind of get some insight into that with this in terms of this particular scene. So you have um, D'Angelo and Wallace. Um, Wallace, of course, finally comes out of his room, uh, talks to D'Angelo. Uh, D'Angelo, while it's clear that Wallace wants out, um, lets D'Angelo know about, you know, the, you know, the Brandon thing and what the killings have, you know, have messed him up. Uh, they talk about going back to school. Of course, he's he's been out for a couple of years now, so he had, he had to enroll enroll as a freshman as being 16 years old. Uh, D'Angelo gives him some money, and D'Angelo, you know, lets him know, like you know, listen, you got a good heart. Um, you don't worry, don't worry about this drug thing. You know, don't. I'm giving you this money. You know, he says, I don't want to play anymore. Wallace says, I don't want to play anymore, and D'Angelo gives him money. Yeah, Wallace. Was kind of didn't want to take the money, but the angel said, hey, "You ain't gotta do nothing for it. This is just, just take it." And uh, that's and then uh, D'Angelo, and then that's how that, that scene ends. What what were your thoughts about that interaction between Wallace and D'Angelo? 
you yeah i mean like this this is a this is an episode where everybody like where all the cards just kind of like go on the table right like like everything not everything but they've been setting up a lot of stuff and like now they're just kind of like saying it kind of like kind of playing like we've been talking about like the difference between or the similarities between d'angelo and um wallace this entire time and then in this scene they just name it wallace clearly says i don't want to do this anymore um he clearly says the thing bothered me and and i i don't want to do this anymore and we 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 see exactly how d'angelo feels about it d'angelo's like you don't have to do this anymore you actually have a good heart you actually have brains like you can do something else other than this um essentially saying i believe in you and here take take this money just 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 to exist um but you don't have to do do anything for it and then fur- furthermore i think this is in the same scene when he goes back over to Bodie and Pooh, right this is in the same sequence right yeah yeah, yeah. so then so Bodie so asked, yeah. Bodhi asked about about wallace so that yeah that's yeah definitely. yeah so essentially i mean he like they're like like they're the ones that d'angelo's talking about in terms of like you you have a heart compared to these others um particularly Bodie. um and so and so uh he's like just leave him alone let him be um and so that's i mean like he's essentially just co-signing on on d'angelo and how i mean on um wallace and how wallace wants to just be left alone just be out of this game so you have uh the detail catching a call um catching Weebay on a call from the towers uh the call lets us you know lets us know that Weebay or lets them know that Weebay is going to be moving money from the towers out the towers um and of course Weebay would be um pulled over later on that we would lead to that would lead to him being pulled over by uh by Herc and Signer not Signer Herc and Carver with the uh with the twenty that twenty two thousand uh, dollars coming out of the towers again, adding on to what we talked about earlier in terms of how much money that the bar sale are just dealing with, and that was just coming out of the uh, yeah that was coming out of the towers. That money came out of the towers. So the detail catches we on a call, you know, which leads to that you know again leads to the scene of Hurricane Carver busting uh, Weebay and Savino with the money. And then, of course, they take uh, they take the money. What are your thoughts on that sequence? Yeah, I mean, like, there's a bunch of different things going on in that play in this scene. Um, one, it's like it's starting to you, you're getting a sense that the detail kind of uh, is is on it in terms of like they know how or they think they know how the Barksdale crew maneuvers and um people are getting more uh intelligent about like what or or just more used to like what a detail means um so that's that's on one end and then you got this second interplay between herc and carver about uh about the money um and you know like where back in the day just a few episodes back, it would have been no thing for them to take that money. But they starting to, uh, uh, at the very least, Carver's starting to think um, a little bit more about like how they're, how they're doing things. And so it's like on one end, 
it's showing how the detail has evolved both as a unit and as people in terms of like how they how they view the game and then on the other end it's also setting up how far they have to go as we'll as we'll see fairly shortly yes um you have bubbles Waylon, and johnny down the pit um they're putting out testers so a bunch of fiends and drug and, and drug addicts are just all around um bubbles and johnny are down there to get testers Waylon is down there to get his nephew out of the uh pit and try to get his nephew on straight and narrow his nephew probably early 20s um is you know it's not is you know is a crackhead and he you know they passing out these testers they're jumping all over the fiends are jumping all over the place for these testers to get these testers on the ground as, as Bodie tosses them up and um well and lets Bodie not Bodie well and lets uh bubbles know that look you know this guy right here I'm trying to get my nephew out he has he's nowhere near his bottom he says you know which is the sad part about it he's like he's not even close uh, to being to where he, you know, to where he wants out, to where he's even suffered, uh, which is the sad part of this scene, considering, you know, how young he is. Basically, it says he's going to get another at least 20 years of this before he really hits hits, uh, hits his bottom, and you see that, and um, you see that, and you see Whalen, see, you know, Whalen and Bubbles kind of, you know, connecting. Uh, what were your thoughts on this scene? Yeah, the the age that he names is twenty four. His nephew's twenty four. Twenty four, yeah. Um, and so I mean, like this scene is 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 to set bubble everything up with bubbles. Like the juxtaposition is um, bubbles looking at the at the. He even says like I'm young at heart, but bubbles looking at the at the kid who's twenty four. Who um, Waylon is of course correct because because that's that's how it's presented. That he's not near at his bottom, but that's just juxtaposed, not just to, but it, it does an excellent job of just kind of like juxtaposing like where Bubbles is at, right? Like Bubbles is not 24. He's been in this game for a very, very long time. Um, and so while this kid can't see his bottom, Bubbles definitely can see his bottom. He's he's been he's been at this for a very long time. Um, and it also kind of like serves to set up the dynamic of the relationship between Waylon and Bubbles. No question. Um, yeah, Freeman, Prez, and Signer. Um, so Freeman puts Prez and Signer on uh, the Barstow's money. So he has them go, you know, chasing campaign reports, collecting campaign reports. He goes to collect campaign reports. They go to collect, try to connect any companies and businesses that that are going to be linked to the Barksdales, um, to the Barksdales in terms of the money, in terms of the paper trail. And Freeman, based, Freeman re- repeats what Daniel said to uh, his wife in the previous episode. Uh, when you start chasing the money, you start chasing drugs, and you know he says you take some, you take some drugs, you get drug dealers, you start chasing the money, you don't know where the fuck it's going to lead to. And we we get introduced to now how we 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 get another aspect another part of how big the Barksdales are in terms of what in terms of what they're connected to in terms of the type of businesses they're in that go beyond 
just drugs. Because uh, they're going, you know, companies, properties, uh, then free again, like I said, Freeman goes to uh, the office and tries to and chase down to chase down collect, uh, collect financial campaign reports from the Western District, which will lead to big things. Put a bookmark next to that because that will lead to some shit moving moving forward in uh, further episodes. So now, again, getting back to game day, Freeman's kind of like the coach out there saying this is the game plan this is what we got to do to execute it we got to you know go deeper and deeper if we you know if we want to you know find now now i think at the point they realize that this case is much bigger than just you know busting drug but you know busting some drug dealers what were your thoughts on this scene yeah this is, this is where i like really appreciate a show like the wire a lot of shows wouldn't take the time to explain like that part of it and like what was going on. And so like, as I was sitting there and listening to it, listening to Freeman, like explain like all the details, like I'm looking at it, I'm just like, this is really, really complicated, like really complicated and challenging for me to follow like in the, in the, in the moment. Um, but um, I appreciate that they took the time to kind of like explain like the ins and the ins and outs of it particularly this part, the, the rules, like I think everybody essentially understands the rules of engagement with the wire in terms of busting drug dealers, but um, in terms of like going after the money, way, 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 way more complicated. Um, and yeah, I just found myself really like appreciating um, the, the time that they took to like break down like all the different ins and outs they have to do just to kind of get that initial, the initial fingerprints on it. It's not even directly, it's not even like this is directly going to lead to Avon, but they need to do all of this in order to build the, the case around, around Avon. And this, these are the steps that, that they're going to take to do that. And um, also, to your point, it just really shines a light on the scope of the Barksdale organization and also just shines a light on how um, uh, intelligent Freeman is um, on this. I think, like, if you juxtapose Freeman to, like, McNulty, McNulty is very instinctually based. He's a very instinctually um, smart uh, detective. Um, but beyond the instincts, Freeman's just super, super intellectual about how he goes about um, his business. And I think this scene did a really good job of showing that. Yeah, Freeman is a, is a detective who will not cut any corners in terms of skipping details. There, he doesn't skip steps. So every steps that other cops would not be willing to take or would maybe too lazy to take, or he, we talk about deep diving scenes and deep diving subject matters and on this show he deep dives cases and like he he just he's just a extreme attention to detail and that that you know that's what you love about the freeman character like there's not gonna be any wasted motion in terms of what he's what he's gonna do what he's trying to do and, and see and he knows because he's been around for forever he knows what possibly this could lead to in terms of chasing the money what it could possibly lead to. He doesn't know exactly, but he knows that there's some there's some bigger fish to catch other than just the basic, you know, buy and bust drug deals. So 
yeah, I, we definitely appreciate the attention to detail that, did, that it took with this scene. This is, and again, this is a scene that you might have to replay a couple times to get it to kind of grasp everything that was going on and all the moving pieces that it had. Um, so you have Bubbles. Uh, Bubbles goes to steal some drugs uh, from a local dealer, a corner dealer, and he steals the drugs, but then in the process, gets somebody else, gets two people, gets two people, two people beaten up by baseball bats, metal bats at that, while stealing, uh, while stealing the drugs and barely escapes. Now they see him, but he hides on the roof and they immediately go uh, and chase some other guys that, that they thought were, that they thought were uh, Bubbles and beats the hell out of those two dudes. And, um, and it turns out that they had been that Bubbles was uh, duped with some uh, baking soda at that, which makes him feel that much worse uh, later on. What were your thoughts on on, on Bubbles in this scene? Yeah, this is uh, kind of like an example of that bottom that Whaley was talking about. Um, and as we see, this will be kind of like an impetus for um, some immediate change uh, for, for Bubbles. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he says to um to homeboy, he's like, I almost got killed behind this caper, and you know the fact that it's not even he almost got killed behind it, and like let's say he did get killed, um you know he got killed for nothing, basically for stealing baking soda, um so that that's that's one of those bottoms that William was talking about. So you got uh, Herc and Carver, um they discuss the uh idea of taking money uh of taking the money herc of course i mean carver of course reminds herc like look listen we're on the wiretap so that we know is is absolutely no since we're on the wiretap uh so that you know would lead to some thus some things that we'll talk about uh, later on in the episode but that was in that was already in in herc's in herc's mind about uh taking the money that they had that they had gotten from uh, WeeBay. He, he tries to use the analogy of a restaurant. He went to a restaurant. He had, he says, "I much how much you know would WeeBay tip uh, when he bring when he brings up the money from that standpoint." Um, you have the detail, Freeman, McNulty, and Kima discussing uh, the Barstow money and property and also properties. Now they're in the office with Daniels. Daniels is sitting down. Uh, Freeman is um, discussing this, and you can see Daniels knows that. Uh, well, maybe this wasn't that scene. Well, you have no discuss. Yeah, that was later down road. So you had the detail of Freeman McNulty. You know, this wasn't this wasn't Daniels. You no, know, again, cancel what I just said. This, Daniels wasn't in the scene. So you had the you had the detail of Freeman McNulty and Kima discussing the Barksdale money and possible properties that, that he uh, that he could possibly own. Yep, scope is more just different kind of like the idea of the scope of it. Quick scene with Omar in one of his hideouts. He clearly he looks like somebody that's on the lamb or just being careful about where he's moving, where he's where he's making his way. He has some food with him. Um, again Oh, this would lead, you know, the scene was quick, but, you know, just give you another example of just how 
careful Omar is. Um, and, you know, despite the fact that he is armed and dangerous, he still is, is, is you know, understands his surroundings and is finding, you know, it seemed like it was one of his many hiding spots around uh, within the, uh, in the Western, um, in the Western or uh, throughout that, uh, throughout the neighborhood. So that was a quick scene. We certainly would see a lot of Omar moving forward. Um, Wait, real quick, I want to go to that scene. Because um, it says a couple different things. First, um, it just like just as I was sitting here listening to you, it reminded me um, about the opening scene um, with Bell and uh, Avon. Like they talk like when they're talking about Omar, they talk about kind of like what we talked about uh, last week in terms of what he does with the drugs and how that helps him to always have eyes in the streets. The fact that he goes around. Stringer Bell says like some type of Robin Hood goes around giving giving out drugs for free. Like we were talking about that with the mom um, last week. Uh, so that 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 there are people that are always looking out for him. So we know that. So then the question becomes like in a scene like this, again, the wire waste, no, there's no wasted scene. Um, so a scene like this, when we see Omar like being really careful and like having the the um the putty or the gum at the door to let him know if if people are like uh, are opening it like if he has so many eyes on the streets why is he being so careful and the answer is because avon and the barstow crew is chasing him and that's a different level than just the average than just the average person um and so like i think this scene sets up what will later happen in terms of omar even omar doesn't like being this stressed out about being hunted so if he's going to do something about it. I, this scene sets up, I, in my mind, uh, the idea of he's getting tired of this. Um, yeah, he yeah, had that, a very- that, 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 he's ready to do, that he's ready to do something about yeah. it. At the very least, you can see like, it's an overabundance of caution and Omar's not careful, com comfortable with that much caution. No, he, if you looked at his uh, facial expression, he was- Yeah. He wasn't, it wasn't one of fear, but it was one of extreme caution. Like he basically had his, his head on a swivel. And we know Omar, Omar is all about swag. Omar likes to stick his chest out. Omar likes to move when he wants to move. This is not him moving when he wants to move. This is him moving out of caution and out of, he looks like somebody with a $10,000 bounty on his head, right. in, without question. So Omar, to your point, if you even look at his body language, he's kind of squinting down. He's kind of like, this is not how Omar likes to move at all. Omar, he, stand, he likes to stand up straight. Omar is a proud, a lot of pride, chest out. He's, you know, Omar walks as, Omar walks like a, you know, a, a gunfighter. He's like a, he's like a gunfighter with the fastest gun in the West. He likes to move that like that in terms of just how, just how he moves in general. So no, this is not like you said. He does look uncomfortable, and it definitely you could definitely see him see it in his mind. Like, look, you know, it's like enough of this shit. A move has to be made, which would lead to things like you said, lead to uh, further moves uh, down the road in this uh, episode. Um, Carver, her press, Minolti uh, are listening to uh, one of listen to Poop have phone sex with some girl. Um, which Poop, by the way, shouldn't be on the phone, but he's a youngin that doesn't know better. So Poop is on the phone 
with this girl having phone sex. And to your point, this could easily be brushed off as one of these laugh track scenes, but the end of the scene completely dismisses that. And we hear Poop discuss Wallace and um, discuss Wallace and thinking about, you know, thinking that Wallace did to the girl and thinking that Wallace was getting high. And that, of course, that was the big, the major part of that scene, despite the comic relief with the phone sex and what have you. Yeah, and it, it also kind of like restates the rules of the wire and, um, you know, how how you can't just listen in like forever. Um, like you got to justify why you are, um, why you are listening in. And then it also kind of, it'll feed into like another scene of just kind of like how, you know, like ev- like the rules are fuzzy and you can make like, no, the rules are the rules are straight. The way that you can get around the rules and how you can manipulate the rules can be can be um, fuzzy at best. Um, but yeah, th- I mean, like to to your point, this this is this this uh, really um, is another indicator of the eyes that are on Wallace and while. Uh, D'Angelo might be willing to let let him live. Um, the rest, the rest of the game ain't gonna be willing to. Well, they they're still wondering about their, the rest. Everybody else is still wondering about Wallace, even though D'Angelo said let him be. So you have um, <clears throat> so Omar comes to the pit, takes a bag of drugs directly out of the pit. Comes now. This is the Omar that we've been used to seeing. Omar, he's come with the shotgun in hand. Tells uh, uh, he can't. We can't see that the, the dealers are are in. The, they're in the vacants or whatever. They're in. You know, they're inside. So they threaten him, saying we got a Mac Ten. He calls the dude, the dude out by name. Says I think it's not Terrell. He says I'll huff and puff. He said I'll keep coming back here, and coming back here till you give me what basically you give me what I what you know what I want. They give him a bunch of drugs. Um, this is Omar. Now, again, this scene is Omar thinking, making a chess move that would later, that will, that will, we will see the payoff of this scene later on in this episode of why he specifically took this bag of drugs, this, this uh, bag of drugs. This was not just one of his random, one to just steal from the bar sales. He did this with something specific in mind, and we'll see that. But this is more like the Omar that we know of. And the fact that the fact that he knew the dude's name just lets them know, just lets you know that, you know, listen, he knows your streets, he knows, he knows, he knows who who's who and what's what. And he basically knows that when he calls the dude out Terrell by name, he knows that dude is not gangster enough to come out and challenge him with a with a gun. Or if, if the dude had a gun at all. What are your thoughts? Oh, he definitely had a gun. <laughs> Um, it's still Barksdale's crew that that is running there. Yeah, he definitely had a gun, no matter if Omar had knew his name or not. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, to to your point, like this this is this is how Omar likes to likes to carry it. Um, uh, as as we say, and this is definitely a chess move. Now, just because you make a chess move doesn't mean it's the correct move. Right. I'll talk about that a little bit later on. But yeah, everything that you said, one hundred percent accurate, of course. Um, you know, this is the way he likes to carry it. This is the chess move. This is this kind of like 
that's why that's why I wanted to point out that scene of like he's he's getting tired of just definitely wait yeah, like, like like being in hiding. That's that's not that's not Omar. So he made a move. He's making a move. This is kind of um, kind of like going for it on fourth down because he's risking his life right here. Like he they you said to the point to your point they definitely had a gun in there. He's this is. Bunch of Barksdale soldiers. He's going to be outnumbered, so he so he is you know using his savvy, using his reputation as a way to as a means to intimidate. Which they know Omar is a straight up killer, and it, it works in his favor. Like you said, he's desperate at this point, somewhat desperate at this point. This is a risk. This is a very risky move, to say at least. But. If you want to win the games, you can't play can't play it close. You know, going back to last week, the game is out there. Play to get played. If you want to win this game, you have to take you you're gonna to have to take risk uh, in this in this drug game. There's no playing it close and conservative. And this and this move is definitely one that, like you said, he does not. He's tired of hiding. And this this is more like the Omar that we know coming out of uh, coming out of hiding and gets his and, uh, gets the drugs and again put a bookmark next to those drugs. That was just not, it wasn't just a random robbery. Um, so Poop sees Wallace buying drugs. Um, Wallace goes and buys drugs in the corner. Poop sees Wallace uh, buying drugs. You can put a bookmark next to that as well. Uh, what were your thoughts on that scene? Yeah. Just, just, I mean, it's, this, this is just, uh, it's not a wasted scene, of course. It's just it's just flat out what it is. Poot sees Wallace buying drugs. He goes and asks the drug dealer what what it was, and then he knows exactly what it is. So it's just confirmation of everything. Like on the on the when when on the on the wire, you hear him say, "I think." Now he knows. Yeah. Then you have uh, Herc and Carver on the rooftops, but no one is around in terms of the West Side. Um, Carver is is not buying it as far as realizes that something is up. Herc is like, you know, maybe we won. And that's, of course, the uh, the epigraph saying maybe in terms of maybe we won. Uh, they Herc again, but Carver definitely isn't buying it. Uh, the, the fact that no one that no one's around, something has to be up. So you had that uh, going on. You have any thoughts on, on that scene or you want to just wait till yeah, it's just a prelude to them getting to the park. Freeman, Kima, and Chardine, um, they pick Chardine up um, before she gets into the club. They show her the dead body of her friend, uh, of course, that died at the party, was drugged and died at the party. They completely break her in terms of, you know, being able to, uh, being able to uh, turn her. Uh, you see some... Um, you see Freeman, and you also see Freeman and Chardine with, with a, make a have a connection to the, with the dollhouse miniatures, and um, yeah, this completely turned Chardine in terms of what she thought you know, thought about the Barstels and what and just basically destroys uh, ends her relationship with um, D'Angelo. Um, we come to find out. And they didn't show this in the last, they didn't show this in previous episode with D'Angelo saying this, but he told her that they took her to um, to a hospital. So, you know, of course he was, you know, of course they didn't show that, that part of it. 
in the last episode, but she said she brings that up to Freeman and, and Charlene brings that to Freeman and Keeman that he took her, they lied to her about taking her to the hospital. And basically she gives them Freeman, Charlene, and Kima tells, you know, tells her all about the Barstells, tells them that, you know, they have, without, without giving her details in terms of saying that they are, they have them in terms of wiretapping, basically saying we have ways of knowing what they think and we've been following them closely and you know they're gonna blame they're gonna use you blame you and then toss you toss you aside and uh this completely just breaks her and uh you know she's ready to cooperate what are your thoughts on this scene yeah it's wild man this this is this is wild because like it's it's one of those dualities right like where like i understand why things are happening the way they are but it's still fucked up no, nonetheless, right? Like, because at the same instance, they're talking about how the Barksdales are going to, or want to use her and use everybody, everything like that. That's exactly what they're setting um, Chardine up for. They're setting up to use her. Yes. Um, yeah. Cause, yes. Cause, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, you understand why, but it's still fucked up. Because this is like, the reason why they identify her is because she's a citizen. She's not in this game at all. Like, not even a little bit. And so they're going to ask her to put her life on the line eventually. I know I'm getting ahead of myself, so let me stop. Um, but so, like, like so um, that, like, that was my kind of, like, the other, I mean, like, everything functionally in the scene, like, everything fits and makes sense. It makes sense how they pressed her, how they turned her. Um, it makes sense, you know, what, like, why they're doing everything that they're doing. But just as I was watching, I was just like, yeah, they're saying, they're, it, it is manipulation is absolutely still manipulation um and and it just struck me like how how there's how they're using how people are using her in order to use her for their ultimate needs as well i mean what did we mention about freeman last week justified means to an end and that that played right into this scene it's just like he freeman is you know He's similar to he's similar to McNulty from the standpoint of he still wants he's he's all in it in this case right now. So he I mean, he wants he wants the bark sales. He wants this case as well. Um, but he just going he just goes about it more careful and with more sophistication than one than one uh, Jimmy McNulty. Uh, but he wants this case badly. Uh, as well, make no mistake about it. Um, so you have that going on. Uh, Bubbles goes to his sister's house and asks her to uh, if he can stay there. She's reluctant at first, but ends up giving him the key to the basement. tells her tells him Don't even think about coming upstairs, or I'll, I'll call the police. Uh, she has a little girl, and you know this 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 was a it was a powerful scene. If you if you have anybody, if you've known anybody with an addiction or known um or have that have that connection because you can tell that she's been through it with him time after time and this is not the first time that he's probably stayed with her and just that you know it's it's like there'll be people out there watching the show and be like why the hell would you let him in it let him back in your house knowing he's a crackhead well it's his sister it's his family it's his sister at the end of the day, she's still, it's his, I mean, it's his brother, it's her brother. So it's not that cut and dry of like, hey, you know, you don't want these drugs around my daughter, don't want you nowhere near my family. It doesn't, it's not that simple. And I'm glad they 
kind of they the way she played it. The actress did an excellent job of playing it. Like I don't want you to stay in here, but I'll give you another chance. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. Tough scene to watch. Um, yeah, it, it, like it, all, everything that you said, I 100%. There's, there's literally nothing to add to it. Tough scene to watch. Um, all those different dynamics. So you have Herc and Carver realize there's a game between East and West Baltimore. Um, Bodie and Poop pop up. And uh, once they see them, that kind of tips them off that the, the maybe that, that, that Avon is there. They get so they contact. So Signer, so now um, Signer uh, gets a photo, has a photo of Avon, um, and they make it, they make a, he makes Avon, and then they get it back. They relay that back to uh, the detail. Now they're, they're they're at this park with this East West. East West Baltimore basketball game. That's why there was nobody around for West Baltimore in terms of being on the corners and in the pit. And um, now the detail wants to see uh, wants to see ball wants to see uh, Avon. Um, so before I get to them following him, um, following uh, with with McNulty and uh, Daniels, what were your thoughts on, on on this part? Yeah, I mean, so so I just watched the episode, so I have a very clear. Um, picture of of everything that happened, um, and so uh, uh, Herc and um, and Carver are at the basketball court or watching through through the, the park, yes, the gate through, through, through the um, behind the fence, and um, uh, Poot. I believe it was Poot. It might have been. Um, it was Poot and uh, Bodie. No, Bodie. it was Poot and I'm just trying to think of who was the one who actually said, yo, look at Avon, because they were just like, like, look at how he's coaching. And so then Hurt goes up, whispers to Carver, hey, uh, Avon is, is, is there. And so then they make the call back to Daniels. And then Daniels makes the – makes like, it's like, hey, can you mm, – yeah, 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 they call Signer, and then Signer says to Daniels, hey, they got to – they might have – we might have Avon possibly there. Um, and so, uh, and so this is the beginning of the, the part that, that I was talking about in terms of like, like they, the, the detail thinks they have the rules of engagement and know specifically how they move, but they're about to find out that, um, they, they're, they're a little bit far behind. So before they roll out from the detail, Daniel says, you know, mount up. We make, you know, we want to follow him. We're going to follow him. We, make, we just got an eyeball witness on him. We, got, we just got an eyeball on him, possibly at this game. McNulty is reluctant. McNulty, is, uh, Prez said something to McNulty about it. And he, McNulty's like, I don't, it's not a big deal for me to see him in person. Uh, we have him on the wire. Uh, Daniel says, you know, we, make cases out of it, out of tailing suspects or tailing people. We make cases out of it, we do it well, uh, mount up. Um, and there was no conflict between Daniels and, a and McNulty directly, but uh, uh, McNulty stays in office. They go out to follow, they go to follow, uh, then they go out, the detail goes out, goes out. Um, what are your thoughts on McNulty not having an interest in, uh, going to the park or yeah this, this is where this is where that kind of like that instinctual part that i was talking about like he's instinctually good 
like um you know daniels daniels is like this is this is kind of like how we do and how we maneuver and we got these guys and we we kind of like know know um what they're all about and Minolte's just like there, there's no point because a we're not going to be able to tell him right anyway like he says that he knows that um about them and then later on when he talks to after they leave and he's just talking to um to the press um he says like it, and it doesn't even matter like that's the point it doesn't even matter if we got him and tailed him and got a picture on him and everything like that he's not going to be the what he said earlier um when daniels is in the room was like he's not going to be anywhere near drugs anyway like that so why are we doing this um that was that was his point um, and then the point to press is it doesn't even matter anyway because all we need is his voice on this wire. That's what that's what we need to do. We need to we need to get him and interact with him in places where he's comfortable, and that's going to be when we're not around. Um, so that 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 speaks to kind of like what what I was talking about. Just like in, instinctually, he knows this about um, about Avon, particularly the part of like there there's no way he's going to be near any drugs, or we're going to be able to tell him effectively. So. Now, Avon gets made as far as they, Avon gets made um, again by Signer, and this is an East-West basketball game between uh, East Side West Side. There was a name that was not mentioned, which I'll, I'll, I'll get to later on. But they make Avon, but there was a name that was not mentioned. I think that was very important and very intentional by the writers. The name that wasn't mentioned in terms of both East, East and West. Um, so you have Avon, Prop Joe, uh, we did introduce, introduce the Prop Joe, Prop Joe, of course, runs East side. He, um, and they're playing this game, uh, Prop Joe completely outmaneuvers Avon, uh, with the, in terms of hustling during this game, Avon, of course, had to do, who, by the way, was an actual player in the, uh, or played over in Europe. His name is Maurice Blanding. So he played in Europe for a couple of years. So he's actually a real ball player. Uh, during this time, particular time, he's on Avon's team. Avon's team, of course, is winning in the first half. Um, is winning the first half. They're about twelve at halftime. Prop Joe says, "You know, Prop Joe, and which will become one of his famous lines. Proposition for you. I'm gonna bet. How about a hundred thousand dollars on top of the bet that they already have that the loser, that the winner, has to throw a party for the uh, that the winner has to throw a party for whoever wins at uh, at Druid Hill Park." Um, and of course, bragging rights between East Side and West Side. So $100,000, you bet some $100,000. Um, Prop Joe has a guy on the bench who is the best player on the court. He brings him in in the second half, and then East Side wins. East Side wins the game on a controversial call where the Avon, you know, where the guy, West Side player got fouled. The West Side player got fouled. Game, West Side player got fouled. The guy from East Side makes a game winning basket. I think he dunked, had a, I think it was a dunk. And they won by one point. So Avon completely loses it, goes, approaches the official, rips, completely rips the official for not making the foul call. And there, this, this is so many layers to the scene. This is an unbelievable scene sequence. Um, Avon says, the ref says, okay, completely scared shitless, as he should be, and says, hey, I, maybe I could put some, I could put some time back on the clock. We could do it, we could have a do-over. Avon flips out completely goes even says you're talking about doing it again he says quote you're talking about do you're talking about a do-over that's not how the game is played immediately after he says that 
when Avon says that's not how the game is played, we go, the camera goes immediately to D'Angelo's direction. And you see D'Angelo, who's at the game as well, which I thought was uh, important. Avon um, tells, the, tells the official, I, Avon was just as upset of the official not standing up to him as maybe maybe uh, that he was to the fact that they lost the game and made a bad call. So Avon tells the official, you can't just let any motherfucker stand. He's like, you can't just let any motherfucker get in your face. So then he tells him to walk away. And, and then they, you know, he makes peace with uh, Prop Joe saying, hey, we, you know, it's all good. We'll pay you. Um, nah, we'll pay you, but we'll throw you to throw the party for the uh, people at Druid Hill. So in that scene, you had Avon. You saw, you see the many layers of Avon as far as what he stands for, what he believes in. Avon has Avon has a code. Avon has a code and has a way that he thinks thinks shit should go. I think a lot, I think the, the intelligence of the writing was I was impressed with this from the standpoint of a lot of drug dealers would have just uh, kingpins would have just snapped on the ref, maybe not killed him, but maybe did something in the future, or maybe actually forced him to put time back on the clock and do it again. Avon doesn't believe in that. That's not how Avon thinks. The game is over. We lost, even though I know the call was fucked up. Take my, I'll just take the L and keep it moving. I'll take the L and keep it moving, which he did. He paid, you know, Rob Joe going to get his $100,000 and he's going to throw the party for Eastside over at Druid Hill. So I thought that was a fascinating in terms of, in terms of the layers of Avon Barksdale that they showed you. Yeah, now you outlined that perfectly. Um, you know, it real the the what what was going through my mind actually didn't really have a whole bunch to do with uh with the wire. You know what real life NBA team I I need I wanted to send this clip to. Um, yeah, I, all I could think about was Houston. All I could think about was the Houston Rockets. <laughs> like Avon's so right. He's so right. He's so right. That's not how the game is played. We're not doing do over. You can't. You can't. You can't do do overs. Um, so literally, that that that. I mean, you outlined it perfectly. I have nothing else to add except uh, I hope the Rockets got shown this. Scene. <laughs> you can't. Can I have the no do overs? That's the no do overs. That's no do overs. What What were your thoughts when the camera went to uh, D'Angelo? Um, I think that. I mean, I. Like I think D'Angelo is becoming uh, more and more sensitive to like what is going on around him as he wants to further and further distance himself from this um, from this life. So I think there, that's that's another quick instance of um, just with the look being being like like no parts of this game. Or, or all parts of the game are becoming uncomfortable for D'Angelo. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, he wants out of the game, but he also, you know, when Avon says, you know, the, the do-over part, I'm sure D'Angelo wants to do what, like, if he could do it all, do it over again, that he would choose a different uh, line of work and a different life. But that's uh, Avon's point. There are no do-overs. So, yes. Yeah, no, no. There are, there are no do-overs. No, there are no do-overs. So that's why I thought that was important for them. Uh, the show, you know, that was an important distinction to show uh, D'Angelo uh, with that uh, after Avon makes that uh, statement. Um, so you have Avon, Herc, Sing Herc Daniels, and Signer. They they are following Avon now. Avon's driving the truck. 
he they go through hell and high water to try to catch Avon as far as tailing him. Not so much trying to pull him over, just to tail him to follow him. He loses them in between streets and actually lures Daniels out and tries past Daniels going the opposite direction and gives the, that famous wag of the finger. Like, yeah, I, I've seen you coming. I know you're here. I know these, these are my streets. Um, just a fascinating scene to say the least with, with them, you know, just basically thinking that they had a beat on them, but in reality, uh, you kind of saw him, kind of saw him coming a mile away. What were your thoughts? Yeah, so now I can connect connect it all um, together. So uh, you know, like like the the sense in this episode is that the details all over the Barksdale crew and that they have the Barksdale crew completely clocked. Um, and this scene kind of like epitomizes the arrogance of it. Um, uh of of that thought process um you know like you said earlier they made avon well avon wasn't really hiding the cops are hiding uh uh they're trying not to be seen and so um the fact that he drew them out just kind of like speaks to uh how you know even when and they'll they'll learn this this is the first this the like this i'll say this is the first lesson that uh they'll learn many times of even when they think they have the game figured out it's always changing and um they'll always need to be adapting to the strategies because um this daniels clearly states in that meeting with uh mcnulty we've been following we've been tailing we've been doing it for years and it brings us cases and then um as soon as they get back in, I'm not going too far ahead. As soon as they get back in, uh, Daniels goes, that, that's, that's a smart, <laughs> that's a smart guy. He's good. He's good. So yeah, you're going to need to change up your, your tactics to get him. Yeah. I mean, you know, you got to make, like you said, you got to make that adjustment. You play yeah. a game. You can't, can't run those same plays. Yeah. yeah. Actually the team's going to get, you know, eventually your team's gonna get caught up on what you're doing. You gotta make some halftime adjustments. Got gotta adjust. <laughs> so Avon was completely on them. Um, he doesn't describe. He did the, it, there's a funny scene that he in a further episode that he did, when he describes this whole chase, not mini chase scene for uh, Stranger, but we'll we'll get to that further down the road. Um, I, you know, I thought about when I thought when I saw this scene, I thought about Heat when. Um, when they were after De Niro and company, and they're at the they're at the junkyard, and Pacino and them, Pacino realizes that they got that they just got made. So so Pacino, in thinking that he was you know not catch wasn't gonna catch De Niro at this point, but in thinking that they were they they were trying to case out what they were looking at with the with the scrapyard, but De Niro lures them into the scrapyard just to make them. And he and De Niro and Pacino says, hey, damn, this dude is good. He says, you know what? We just got, we just got made. And Pacino and De Niro's on the roof or whatever, where Pacino can't see him taking pictures of the of his whole police crew. That's what I thought about with this city. Like Avon just completely outwits them as far as how, you know, as far as how he lures them 
um, lures Daniels out to uh, to kind of taunt him. But I thought about that that scene. I thought about that scene, the heat scene, when when, uh, when I rewatched this again. Well, I mean, like it's in both in both. It's a great it's a great comparison because in both scenes, like there there is an element of gamesmanship that's there, but we're forgetting the practicality of it, right? Like in both in both of those things, it's about finding out who is tailing me. Like, like uh, Avon doesn't know who's tailing him. That's the point. He doesn't know. So he's trying like to lure them out is to figure out who, who is actually after them. The game is the game as you know, the episode is titled. So of course there are people out there always surveilling, always chasing, both master criminals know that in the heat reference as well, but you still need to know who it is in order to try to come up with an effective strategy or, you know, whatever. And so there's, it's definitely both in both, both scenes, of course, TV movie being written very well. Um, there's that, there's the heightened level of gamesmanship that's there, which is awesome as a viewer, but then there's also the practicality of, um, you know, this, this group is telling me they know who I am. Now I need to know who they are. No question about it. Um, so next we go to Freeman uh, McNulty Daniels. Uh, Freeman McNulty Daniels. Daniels is sitting down and Freeman begins to discuss Avon's money and businesses and the political political contributions. And as Freeman is, is talking, uh, you see Daniels just uh, kind of, you know, doesn't say anything, but his body language says says it all. He knows that he's going to, he knows in order uh, to catch these guys, that they're going to have to dig deeper and deeper. And he mentioned this to his wife in the previous episode, which I talked about earlier. You start chasing the money, you don't know what it's going to lead to. And he, at this point, he wants no part of making any connections with with uh, with discussing political contributions. It's one thing chasing Avon's, finding that Avon owns properties and things that it has more money or it makes a lot of money. But it's another thing with opening that, that uh, Pandora's box with those political contributions. He wants no part of it. Even Freeman even says, I know you don't want to hear this, but this is what it is right now. This is where we're at in terms of uh, this case is bigger than the bar sales at this point. Yeah. Um, so it, let's 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 pull the bell back for real now. Since since it's been since it's out there and they've said it a number of times now, and the implications very clear. Um, so they 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 make that statement. You follow the money. You don't know where the money's going to lead. It, we know very well where the money's going to lead. That and that when that statement's made, it's not made like. And I'm not even just talking specifically about the show because they they outline specifically where that money's going to lead right now. But in the it's in, it it's implied in the statement. When you follow that money, that means it goes everywhere. What that means is it goes to politics and it goes to white people. It's I mean it's just that simple. It goes to people who are in control of the decision making and the policies that affect the police department and their budget, particularly talking about this show, but as we will see in future seasons, as we know in real life, affect everything. And so that's what that essentially means. Like, like this war on drugs is bullshit, as, as the, the central thesis of this show as well, because all it is designed to catch is Black people that don't have a lot of money. Let's, let's keep it all the way real. Now, since, the, since it's been put out there 
right, like right in there. That's what he means by drug dealers and drug, 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 drug users and drug dealers. That's black people, period. Um, and uh, where the money goes is to white people and politicians. Um, it'll be represented in, in a black politician, but I mean, it, it plays itself out in a myriad of ways over this. And so um, that's that fear in Daniel's face. He knows where it's going. He knows where it's going. And he knows that will put the brakes on everything, not only the detail, but his career and anybody else's career that he cares and he loves about it. So that's fear that you see for him because he knows what that means. If it touches politicians, then it becomes radioactive. This case becomes radioactive. And so there's, it's, a, it's a fear for himself, of course, but it's just a fear in what it will ultimately mean for anybody that's involved in, in this because that's the third rail in, in, um, in everything. <laughs> but in, particularly in this show, that's the third rail of... Uh, of of being able to operate in some semblance of having your own operation, not a thousand people breathing down your neck all the time. And this is right up Freeman's alley. Freeman wants to chase the money. Well, he, Freeman absolutely. Yep, keep going. Um, Herc Daniels and Carver. So Daniels thinks calls Herc and Carver into his office. There's about, there's about 7,000, 7, thank you. $7,000 missing uh, from the cake, from the money that they took from WeeBay. They had courses all on the wire. Um, of course, Hurricane Carver didn't take it. The, the money fell through this will, this will, uh, this will thing that's, uh, that broke in, uh, inside the trunk. So it fell through that. They are going through it like, you know, their lives depended on it, trying to find it. And Herc finds it, and Herc's facial expression, once he found it, was was priceless. Carver, Carver not Herc. I'm sorry. Thank you, Carver. Carver's facial expression was priceless. Like Carver was, I mean, they basically tore apart their car to find this money, and Carver knows that probably won't be trusted. They, they probably won't be trusted completely by Daniels again. So I think that was, it was relief. And it was also the reality of what, of what that relationship would be, would, could be like moving forward. Um, he says to Carl, he says to Herc, um, you know, you thought I took it or they, they basically chide each other thinking, you know, he looked at Herc when they, when Daniels first approaches them about it and says the money's missing, Carver thinks that Herc took the money. So just kind of rewind from that, rewind back to that. Carver thinks Herc uh, took the uh, took the money, and then they go back and forth once they find the money, thinking that um, you know Kirk says you thought I took it. Carver apologizes, but Carver knows that they probably won't be trusted moving forward, and that this is not you know even though they found the money that he says you know we would you believe it? Would you believe me? Uh, would you believe us in terms of doesn't think that Dan's is going to believe that they just found that that they found it through and it was through a hole in their trunk? What were your thoughts on that scene? Really quickly, I want you to tell me because there's something I've been uh, waiting for. I just want to make sure I didn't miss it. Did we? Did, have we not yet gotten to when McNulty says stupid criminals make stupid cops? He says that um, to Prez, right? Yes. Yes. Yo, have we, have we passed that, or we have we not gotten there yet? We passed that. Go back to that, though. Okay. All right. Cool. 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 
Um, so yeah, so so just to pause it, I'll get I'll get to that, get to the Herc and Carve scene. Um, but uh, you know, like 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 that statement when I heard it, just I, I think it just it speaks so much to everything that is involved in the show and everything that's involved in the McNulty character because um it it's it's again it's it's it has a lot of duality to it because it's like um McNulty and uh Lester um in particular will talk a lot about you know this case and career case and and put it in kind of like a moral standpoint but that statement um is implies the just kind of the gamesmanship that's involved and like um there's the pride in catching a barksdale or taking this type of crew down and there's a lot of ego that's that's involved in that in that um, a lot of the times it's not necessarily about like the right and moral thing to do in these, like we got to get these guys because it will end drugs again, like that leading more into like the, the entire like war on drugs and all that's bullshit. Um, the maybe we won kind of being in jest, um, but that, you know, you got like in order to do these things on a day to day basis it's it's it's, you make a game of it. It, it is about figuring it's a puzzle it's about figuring figuring things out and so I thought that said a lot just about McNulty in general of how he views these cases um uh and then just kind of like what the we're seeing the transition of the detail that's happening even though they're still making silly mistakes they're not making just the big dumb idiot mistakes they're getting smarter they're getting better by chasing the barksdale crew they're getting better at their craft by doing that um because the barksdale crew is smart and so in order to get them they have to use smarter and smarter techniques um and so uh you know the again like like the why is the wire for a reason and this episode is called the game and it's called the game for a lot of different reasons um and is and is multi-layered and so that that's one aspect of the game that i wanted to point to point out now getting back to stupid silly mistakes people are still making um you you have herc and carve who are not evolving at the rate that everybody else is kind of evolving out the reason that carver thinks that herc took it was because herc was the one who was talking about taking the money and if carve hadn't pointed out the fact that of the wire um then who knows what would have happened um and so uh you have a situation where you know we've all been in these as kids as people where it's like you're not in trouble because you didn't do it but it's something you would have done um and so you kind of feel the pangs of of like yeah i didn't do it because it was the right thing to do i did it because i didn't want to get caught yeah and now the thing that I didn't want to do because I thought I was going to get caught. Now, you know, Lieutenant Daniels, i.e. your parent, your mom, your mom or whoever, uh, your caretaker thinks you did it anyway because it's something that you likely would have done or had done in the past, um, which is which is more their guilt. Like this is stuff that is not past um, reasonable things that they would have done that Daniels 
knows of them doing or knows the whiff is around them. Um, so you got all that playing in, and then you got essentially the question of loyalty, right? Like what is what is that what does that look like and what does that look like for them in this unit? And then what does that look like for them in particular with with Daniels? Um and so uh yeah, yeah, you got you got all those different factors in play, but the fact the fact is that um the that Hurricane Carve um just perception wise are not at at the level or advancing at the levels as pretty much everybody else on the squad is. Yeah, they this you know they they they're stuck and there's a reason I mean they're, they're stuck and there's a reason why you know they there's a reason why that they don't get the respect that that they uh claim they don't get. There's a reason why. They're they're the reason why they don't get that respect because of that lack of growth and that lack of just evolution. There so you go. They're they're like okay you, you know they're they're not on the bench you know sticking with the theme of game day they're not on the bench but they're not going to be given more, in they're not going to be given more playing time, based on, based on that lack of evolution like we're not going to give you something that's that's so important that's where if you fuck it up it can jeopardize our case so you yeah you take these pitches you can uh you know you kind of do the, uh, you know, I want to say going getting back to uh, you can. Kind of you do the Fredo Corleone Mickey Mouse stuff, and now that's important. That's somewhat important, but not nothing that's going to jeopardize. They're not going to be given anything that's going to jeopardize this case based on that lack of, of evolution. I think that's that's evident. That's been evident up until this point. Um, so we have Omar, Prop Joe. Uh, Omar gives the drugs that he robbed from uh, the Barstow Pit. Through Prop Joe, um, in exchange for in exchange for uh, some contact information to be able to get to Avon, uh, Prop Joe gives uh, Omar, you know, gives Omar the um, the number to WeeBay. Of course, we'll we'll talk about that in a later scene. But he gives the number to WeeBay. They page. They uh, when they contact him for that game. Like, they contact they, when they contact them for the game. They contacted WeeBay, so there's no direct contact. I think the thing to take away that's this thing. There's, there's no direct contact to uh, to Avon. They page WeeBay to want to get to Avon, and you have you have again Omar risking a lot by um, coming into uh, Prop Joe's. Um, Prop Joe's place. Prop Joe says, "What's gonna make me from taking this shit, taking your shit right off your hands and throwing you out of here?" Omar basically. Omar says, "Hey, if Avon's out a bit, out of you know, out of the picture. Then the uh, towers are open, are free market." Uh, so Prop Joe gives him uh, gives him the contact information in exchange for the drugs, and you have the first meeting between the first, but not certainly the last meeting with Prop Joe and Omar, and we get to know Prop Joe and how he maneuvers that much more. What were your thoughts on this scene? Yeah, I can't talk about the scene until we get to the end. Okay, okay. Yep, makes sense. Uh, So we have, yeah, sorry, the end is right here. We have Avon, WeeBay, Omar, and Orlando. So Avon, WeeBay, and Orlando are in the, uh, in the, at the club, at the strip club. 
tonight. The game tonight is over. Girls are going up. The girls are going home on their way out. Uh, old Orlando's counting the money and uh, counting the money. Avon is very specific in terms of how he wants the money. So you got my hundreds, my hundreds, my fifties, my fifties. So he, you know, you know, Orlando's basically saying I'm on it. Uh, they decide, you know, to get a bite to eat. He uh, sends sends Weebay out to get something uh, to get a burger, get something to eat. And then when Weebay leaves, he gets uh, Weebay leaves. He gets a page from uh, a couple minutes after Weebay left. He gets a page from Weebay uh, from Weebay saying it's an emergency call, emergency nine one one call on his pager. Um, gets it multiple times. Uh, he Orlando hands him the phone and right away Omar not Omar Avon says you know we have rules so he decides to um, decides to walk outside uh, to a uh, to a close nearby payphone he of course Omar is outside waiting for him to come waiting for him to come outside Omar decides to call the uh, call his pager once again. Um, Soon as he sees Omar, sees him, sees him out there on the phone. On the phone, you have Weebay coming around. The, you have Weebay coming around the corner. Weebay coming around the corner. Somewhere we had, they had cheese fries, and then and then uh, of course Avon knows at this point that it's a, that it's a setup, it's a hit. He dies behind a car as Omar takes two shots at him. Weebay, Weebay, Weebay shoots Omar in the in the arm. Shoots Omar in the arm. Tells Avon to stay down. And you see the episode ending with a phone hanging off the hook. Yep. Um, so uh, this kind of culmination of everything that we were, we've been talking about in terms of, of uh, what I would just say, Omar's restlessness um, that morphed into arrogance and that morphed into uh, a huge mistake. Um, he says it himself. Uh, if you come at the king, you bet not miss. It's just yeah. that simple. You can't, you can't, you can't, if you're going to make that play, you can't, you can't mess that play up. You just can't. Um, and so, uh, huge mistake on Omar's part. Just huge mistake all the way around. I mean, I could break it down just by the different things that happened in the episode, um, because it wasn't like this move on Avon wasn't born out of tactical advantage it was born out of frustration and not wanting to look around his shoulder when he wants to get kfc and mountain dew right like that's that's not that's not seeing the game as omar usually sees the game um second he just takes the number that's available to him um we base with uh uh uh, uh avon and so I know that 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 uh, Omar sees Weebay come out of there, and then that's when he d- gives the message. But what ultimately ends up happening is the thing that you risk when you do it that closely together is that then Weebay ends up coming right right around the corner um, in terms of. So you either get a different number or you wait for another time when there's more distance between the two. Because Avon's always going to come out and go to the go to the phone, but all of that is 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 neither here nor there because the writers wrote it for a specific reason, and so nitpicking that is not is not the main the main thing. It's um, it's the 
it's going again, the idea back to that, that idea of, you know, can you be careful all the time? No one in this game can be careful all the time, not even the mighty Omar. And we see it here very early on, which is, which is awesome because it plants the seed that nobody is infallible in this game and nobody in this show is infallible. Um, uh, 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 that they're all capable of making big time mistakes. And um, no matter how this plays out in further episodes, which we'll, we'll see, this in itself was a big time mistake by Omar. He played this wrong. I disagree. Nope. I, I, I know, and now I, I'm ready to have this debate. Go ahead. I disagree. I think that, I think Avon made the mistake because, I, first of all, we getting back to what we said earlier. Omar is on the is 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 running for is not running, but is he has a bounty on his head, and this is again you come you right you come into King you best not miss and you can't miss you best not miss you can't you best not miss but this but he's in a position to where he's one guy, and he has like it's, it's like you have to take this shot because it might you might not get a you might not get a better shot and he just he. He got it. He just missed. He got a great. I mean, he got what he wanted. Oh, he got you get Avon in the open, and you get Avon in the open. When is Avon ever going to be out? That going to be that vulnerable again? So he, me, he has the number, and he has the pager. So he could have. He could. He could simply do it at another time. He has all the mechanisms to get him out by himself. Plenty of times. There's plenty of pay phones. But he There's plenty of pay phones. I mean, yeah, he does. Phones, but he doesn't know when WeeBay is going. Like to your point, doesn't know when WeeBay is going to be around. He, he can clock him. That's what. That's what. That's what Omar does. That's what he does. It's a mistake. It's inherent in the. It's inherent in the title of that. You come at the king. You bet not miss. You can't miss. You can't. It's that I mean, simple. I, I understand where you're coming from, but to me, is the, the position that he was in. That this because this bounty is only going to increase the pressure on him is only going to increase. I think it was I think it was worth the shot to take Avon. Yeah, but I, that's why I say it's 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 not you can't a no it's not it's not worth it to take a shot. You have to kill him. That's what's worth it. That's what erases all the bounty and everything off off his hands. Because if you miss, everything is now worse for you. Everything is worse. Like now the bounty goes up. Now you have their full attention. Now you have the organization. Like everything is worse if you miss. So, so no, to other than other than him getting shot, I don't think it, I don't think it could get any worse. I think no, it, it yes, because you just said the bounty is on him right now, right? Like right. so, if you come at the king and you miss, what's going to happen to that bounty? It's going to get less. No, it's going. I mean, no. everybody's going to go. Oh, let's chill. Let's chill. Let's be like. And if you miss, will Avon be more relaxed now or less relaxed? No, but hold, but we can't give too much away because no, no, no. I'm not giving too much away because I'm saying we can't give too much away. We got I, I, we can't give too much away as far as Avon's reaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not get, I'm not. I'm not saying anything specific yeah, plot points. I'm I, know, I know you're not saying anything. Let's let's keep that in let's keep that in, in mind. But it's logical. But but it's logical in what we're talking about here. We don't have to give anything away because it's logical. If you miss the king, the uh, the pressure will intensify. 
It is that simple. That no, you don't have to know anything about anything. It's to, it other than to know that's the drug kingpin. Somebody tried to take him out and they missed. What is his reaction going to be? It's, I mean, it's, it's that simple. And so I'm not saying like, like, of course, I know all, how the entire uh, series plays out. So what I'm saying is that no one is incapable of making mistakes in this show. And this, no, everybody this, makes, everybody, everybody this shows makes. how people are able to make mistakes. And in this instance, this was a mistake. Omar made a mistake. He played this wrong. From start to finish, he played this wrong. I think it was worth that's it. my I, argument. I understand what you said. I think it was worth the risk. I think that um we are we'll, we'll get the prop Joe. Um, but I I think I have a bigger problem with Avon putting himself in that position to be that vulnerable, to be honest with you. I think if Avon is forward thinking as he is, as smart as he is, should have known something was up when he gets two multiple 911 calls through WeeBay. I'm not walking outside with no gun, no protection. I'm not like, like, no, like that's not, like that's not, something should have tipped him off when he gets back-to-back calls from WeeBay. I'm waiting until WeeBay gets back. Like I'm not, like what What are you gonna do? Are you gonna, like what are you doing? Like you just gonna go, you gonna just go make a phone call, call WeeBay back? I mean, I I thought Avon made, I was, I had way more problem with Avon than I did with, with Omar because oh, unlike to your point, Omar is make is is in, is in a position of desperation. Avon is not, so Avon should Avon's not make is not in a position of desperation. So he should be he, he should have everything mentally should be straightforward and, and forward thinking and, and and not make that type of mistake. I can understand I can understand Omar's mistake out of, out of the position that he's in right now. Not Avon. I disagree. So you don't think Avon made a mistake by walking out? I I don't I don't like I I'm not like it's not count it's not point counterpoint. Then I think that the mistake that Avon makes shows how much of a mistake. Then you definitely can't miss. If Avon makes such a huge glaring error, then Omar can't miss. So it's even more compounded on Omar. Omar doesn't come out of this looking good. In either way, and so if Avon makes his biggest mistake, I I I don't also think Omar. You're the one who said Omar is in a desperate situation. Omar's always hunted, like that's the life that he lives. Um, he he goes after, he purposely goes after Barksdale because he wants the bigger wolf. We know this. So so um, so no, I I don't think Omar's is at, in desperate straights at all i think omar did that out of frustration as i outlined before um and then um if avon makes the mistake that you say he mistakes which i don't necessarily disagree with the two 911 phone calls should arouse suspicion um then omar's play was even worse because he missed the shot it's right there. You come at the king, you bet not miss. Yeah, you no, cannot. No. You have to make the play that assures that you kill him. It's just no, that simple. No, no. If I that mean, play isn't available to you immediately, then you don't make that play because you cannot miss. I completely understand what you, where you're coming from. I thought it was worth. I thought it was worth the risk for Omar, but it, you're right from the standpoint. He does not. First of all, he gets shot. 
all right, number one, you know, was lucky to lucky to survive, but he doesn't come off he doesn't uh, come off looking good from this because Avon Avon is still alive. He's shot, and the bounty's going to be that much 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 higher. So I understand. Not a great day for Omar. <laughs> no, no, not a great no, no, not a great day for Omar. At all. Um, Prop Joe. So great day for Prop Joe. <laughs> Prop Joe. Plenty. So so here's the so I'm gonna get back to why that why. Prop Joe's name was not mentioned when the detail was scoping out Avon at the at the um, at the at the basketball game. There's a reason why because Prop Joe is incons- inconspicuous. Prop Joe does not is not he he just wants to sell it wants to handle his business and keep it and keep it moving. He doesn't want to be seen. So there's a reason why that that and I don't to get don't want to give too much away move forward for Prop Joe, but. That's not by accident that Prop Joe's name is not mentioned because it is East Side versus West Side, and Avon's name is mentioned as the Kingpin West Side, but no one, there's no mention by the cops of Prop Joe at all, and that was not that was not unintentional. Um, the Prop Joe character, of course, is played played by the late Robert uh, Robert uh, Chu, Robert E. Chu, uh, who passed away back in 2013. He he. Um, so Prop Joe is, I'm going to just go ahead. He's my MVP of this show. He beats Avon out of $100,000. He almost gets Avon killed without even, even remotely tracing back to him. Because Avon assuming, Avon just assuming that it just is Omar. He doesn't know, he does not know how Avon, how Omar even got, was able to get to him. It won't, and, and I'll, I'll let you know, he will not find out how, how Omar got to him. Um, so a brilliant Munu, a brilliant, brilliantly played by Prop Joe uh, to get the hundred thousand to, to beat Avon out of a hundred thousand dollars, hustle him during the game, and to almost get him taken out by Omar without anything tracing back to him, which would become, which we, which we know moving forward will become a recurring theme for one proposition, Joe Stewart. I thought that they introducing this character was essential from a standpoint of just giving, just giving you a different. There are different uh, ways that drug ping, kingpins go about it as far as personalities, as far as the way they do business. So I thought, you know, I, I was like very essential to introduce this character um, to, the, uh, to the show at this point. What were your thoughts on uh, Prop Joe's introduction? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, I mean, like the, the wire is the wire for a reason. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, it, it was just, it, 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 it's, I, I can't talk about Prop Joe without talking about a lot. So okay. I'm going to not do that. And so, um, you know, it, it is the wire, the wire is the wire for a reason, because the way that they introduce Prop Joe is very inconspicuous, which A, goes into the character that they will build um, of him, and then B, also... Uh, goes into how for how far thinking this show is with its characters, um, and so uh, yeah, that's that's about all I can say about Prop Joe yeah. without, without going into no, no, detail. Yeah, um, who was your MVP? That's a great question. This this episode was was very uh, was very kind of like spread out amongst amongst the characters um if if i had i mean like I, oh man like like pop joe won 
popped up one in this. Uh, like just without even even without putting any background knowledge, what happened in this episode, Pop Joe hustles Avon. So up until this point in time, Avon is presented as the top kingpin. Now we know that there's somebody who is his equal in terms of rank and then just hustled him out of out of a hundred extra thousand dollars. Um, so it appears to have at least outmaneuvered him in this one. And then, as you said, without even knowing anything else that happens after this, at the very least, he put Omar on arrival and w- without the whiff on him um, just within this episode. And so, uh, yeah, it's harder to have a better episode. It's, it's hard to have a better episode than that. Um, so uh, I can't disagree. Prop, Prop Joe's the, the winner, especially since no one else like won in, in this episode at all. Um, the other person I was thinking about was Charlene, just because um, I don't know who the actor, what the actress's name was, but as I was watching, I was like, yo, she gave a hell of a performance in, in this episode. And um just the range of emotions that she had to that she had to kind of like deal with, and um, and the yeah yeah so that that would have been my other choice, uh, Charlene, but just based just based off the performance that the actress gave, um, but in terms of just just who won this episode is you can't argue against Prop Joe. Prop Joe won. Yeah, Prop Joe had a big episode, and again, getting back to the title, Game Day, a lot of games were being played uh, in this episode and whether you, know, you can prop Joe versus, we, we see the beginnings of prop Joe versus Avon. We see Omar versus Avon and, and how that, you know, how we're all into it now. It's, 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 it's all hands on deck from that standpoint. Um, you see the police versus the police. Like they, you know, even though they make progress with finding out um, with Freeman and the uh, information on the Barksdale properties and, and, and moving forward with that, they still somewhat can get out their own way with, within their own ranks with Herc and Carver and this perception that they possibly took the money. Um, that can't be that. That can't be good for the overall. You know, for their, you know, for them overall, if you're leeching, if you're Daniels, you can't even trust your own people. Um, so you kind of see, you kind of saw, so, so that game, you kind of see the police having to dig deeper and deeper as we move further along in terms of they realizing that, you know, in order, in order to win this game, we're going to go the, keep going the extra mile. Just, just, and just, you know, thought we can, can't go further, far enough in order to catch a, a Avon Barksdale. So those, so those stakes keep, um, uh, keep rising, and then you see players who want out of the game. Uh, D'Angelo wants out, um, not all the way right now, but D'Angelo is not sure. Not we can say not sure he wants to play right now. Chardine wants no part of it. Wallace wants out. Um, so definitely, the game, the title was, you know, was apropos for what we saw over the course of, of this episode. Agreed. 
that's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal podcast, the Wire Remix. Uh, I will have this podcast up before the night is over, so you'll be able to check it out. As always, thanks to Robert Sapp for joining the program. I will see you next time. All right. Stay safe. Stay healthy. No question. You too, sir. Later. That's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast, the Wire Remix. Again, I will have this podcast up on various platforms, whether it be Fox Talk Radio, uh, YouTube, Stitcher, um, Spotify, and many other platforms. Stay safe. Have enjoyed the rest of your uh, Memorial Day weekend. I'm out.